0141-951-1025. It's time to talk football. It's Clyde One Super Scoreboard. Good evening and welcome to Clyde One Super Scoreboard Dunfermline released 17 players as Scottish football clubs continue to face coronavirus uncertainty Hearts reconstruction proposals look like they'll fully be looked at next week And the game, like everyone else in the country, is wondering what's next I'm Gordon Duncan, joining me in the studio is Alex Ray And from the Man Cave, the man who'll answer all the questions, Hugh Keevans What's next, Gordon? Well, for me, Dunfermline's player cull could lead to a domino effect in Scottish football now. The pandemic has highlighted a horrible truth. We have too many so-called senior clubs in Scotland. The line between existence and extinction is too thin. Too many clubs can't sustain themselves, so how can our game sustain so many clubs? A process of natural wastage now looks inevitable to me because 42 clubs can't survive a situation of no income and closed-door games. It is sad, but Alec, for me, it's unavoidable. Aim to get any good news? No, I think uh, <laughs> I think on the back of the news today, Gordon, I think this would be pretty much the start of it. 17 players from Dunfermline. I said a few weeks ago to yourself, I've got a real concern with a number of players that are going to, it's going to be hundreds and hundreds of players about to work, uh, like many other professions. Uh, and you also touched upon their reconstruction next week. I cannot believe this is back on the table when you've got six top top teams that were in a consensus. So what has actually changed within that period to now? I think it's a waste of time. I don't think they'll get it up and running. So Mirren's one of the teams in the last couple of days that have come out and says Hearts deserve to be there. So they don't seem to be showing any empathy or sympathy Towards Hearts So I think that's one vote right away So I don't see many people Change their mind On reconstruction 01419511025 That's the number you need To get in touch with us tonight And if you'd rather tweet You can find us At Clyde SSB uh, Hugh One thing that Scottish football Hasn't struggled with Throughout all of this Is stories And headlines And things to argue about And things to debate It's been quite a week You two were here on Monday It kicked off In explosive fashion When the decision was taken To curtail the Premiership Give the title to Celtic Awards You've got to pick your, your words carefully Before Steady. someone pulls me up It's just a turn of phrase um, Hearts would be relegated Hugh If reconstruction can't save them It now seems in the last couple of days Hugh That granted I'm sure people are, are still annoyed At the process and still upset And there, there may be questions to answer Further down the line It feels like since then Though everyone r- really has Turned their attention to what happens next yeah, I've listened to every programme this week, Gordon, and I've heard uh, all the Rangers supporters come up with this solution and that solution and this reason why the league should not have been called early and that reason why Celtic should not have been declared champions. But it's done. It's dusted. It is time to contemplate now the immediate future of Scottish football. The Dunfermline news tonight, I think, will be replicated. I think clubs will lay off players until they know when football is able to come back how it will look, will there be people there or not? And in the three divisions out with the Premiership, I think lots of players, sadly, will be laid off until football comes back and then there'll be a mad rush to reassemble squads. Yeah, I think that's what we're now seeing as well, Alex, is 
at the beginning it was easy to speak in general terms and say, you know, how does Scottish football get itself back up and running? But actually now what we're seeing is that the difference between say League One and League Two and you know then our premiership clubs. Now I know I'm stating the obvious there and I know people realise they were different, but but now we're seeing the realities of it, you know, in terms of games behind closed doors. You're now hearing from, from League One and Two and, and talking about that's just that's just not an option for them That that seems to be the message That's coming out um, Whether the top flight Can come up with a model Along those lines So It's difficult enough Coming up with, with One solution In, in this prob- in, in this uh, pandemic But We're probably going to have to Come up with a handful Yeah I think we've got a wee bit of time uh, Over the coming weeks Gordon I think you're right uh, Hugh says it's done and dusted In terms of The, the leagues all being called whether there's going to be an illegal challenge by Hearts, uh, depending on you know how they feel as if they've got there. You still have the broadcasters and, and the sponsors potentially coming back and trying to recoup some of their money. Uh, and then you have how we move forward in terms of, uh, I think League One, League Two will probably go into hibernation because they depend so much on the fans. Then you have the higher echelons, if you like, where you're looking at that, Gordon, and you're thinking, right, okay, if it's behind closed doors, how do we get some sort of virtual season ticket so that you can get actually revenue into the top clubs to allow them to get up and running? Uh, and how will that look? Uh, how I think we have to change the landscape, Gordon. I think you have to think outside the box. And virtual, uh, and I think obviously Sky will have to be a big part of that as well when they are actually broadcasting that. Can you actually put that through your uh, channels? Uh, so these are things that are all going to have to be looked at. Uh, yeah, just to clear up the, the news we were discussing from Dunfermline Keep the calls coming in by the way 01419511025 uh, They've released 17 players These were players who were out of contract That's not me saying that that's okay or anything I, I just mean that it's not like They're cancelling contracts and, and paying people off The the championship clubs there They are not in a position to hand out any new contracts And it's some you know guys that have played a lot of football for them Lee Ashcroft, Tom Beadling, Danny Devine, Paul Payton, Ryan Scully, Joe Thompson, Andy Ryan uh, They're all among the players departing um, The statement this afternoon Hugh read That all Scottish football clubs now faced with challenging and uncertain times Afraid to announce unfortunately our club not in a position to offer new contracts at this time To any players who are out of contract As we don't know when we'll be playing games again We've no other option but to protect the future of the club itself It's not an easy decision to make um, Being very aware of the impact this may have You know Gordon Even if the clubs came back And were playing behind closed doors No fans there You then have to bring in the cost of uh, Coronavirus testing For players before and after games the, the cost of that in itself Would be prohibitive That would make it impossible for the Dunfermlands of this world and all other championship sides uh, to come back and play football. It's a horrible situation, but every time you listen to Nicola Sturgeon or Jason Leach, then your heart sinks a little further because there is no indication of life getting back to normal in terms of our national sport anytime soon. Yeah, the only thing would be, Alex, that June the 10th date for a version of training, that looks like that still might be achievable If we were to look at, at What the, the government advice was yeah. Yesterday in, in the f- sort of Phased approach To coming out of this um, It's a bit light on, on, on detail With regards to football It was never going to Specifically mention That sort of thing But y- You could look at that Information and say You know Yeah maybe we can get Some sort of training Back in June the 10th Yeah I spoke to a player Yesterday Gordon who Plays top flight And he said That they're looking To get in a couple of days After June the 10th In small groups uh, And they're going to go about that As the first stages Of coming in Training, trying to get up to some sort of speed. I was listening to some of the the higher 
uh, SBFL guys in the last couple of days saying that August they're still penciling in potentially trying to get the season up and running. For me, the only way it's possible is behind closed doors and then it goes back to Hugh's point a minute ago about testing how much that costs, how you implement that and then what will the ramifications be when a player or a member of staff uh, catches the virus. Okay, 0141-951-1025. Brian is first up tonight calling in from Black Hill. Hi, Brian. Hi, Gordon. I have two points I want to make tonight. Go for it. Yes, my first point is continuing the talk from Wednesday's show uh, regarding player of the season mm-hmm. uh, I think there is only one man In my opinion That deserves the player of the year And that's Scott Brown You can always throw in players Like Alfredo Morelos and Edward uh, But for me They haven't been consistent enough Year after year Everyone always writes off Scott Brown Saying he won't last another season And at the age of 34 Playing 50 games already He continues to prove himself for me he's the best overall player the Scottish League has seen in a long time you can see every game that he plays he gives his all even at the start of the season when Celtic weren't at their best you can always notice Scott Brown run about mad he gives his all every minute for uh, for Celtic and you can see the passion he has for Celtic he plays centre back he plays right back and he, even at the start of his career so attacking midfield he's the overall player that every team dreams of having uh, yeah, let me let me put it to the guys, Brian. It's one that Huey discussed on Wednesday night, but these things always will rumble on. That's absolutely fine. Um, player of the year because your your football writers, your your fellow uh, football writers, have said they'll still give out an award this season. Um, what do you make of Brian's point? Uh, I certainly wouldn't contest Brian's point. This program has made Scott Brown and I each other's best friend now. Uh, the past is buried and we go forward uh, and on a serious note he's an inspirational captain and I have said before that he's the most influential Celtic captain now since Billy McNeil and I would not utter that sentence lightly I mean that sincerely he's the most influential Celtic captain since Billy McNeil he is inspirational when the chips are down he's the one who drives them on uh, in the fashion of a Roy Aitken so I would not contest Brian's point of view on a personal basis. For me, Scott Brown would be perhaps third behind Edward and Callum McGregor. Um, going back to Brian's point there, and I think he said that Edward wasn't as consistent. I think Edward has had a brilliant season. I think he's had 28 goals, which is a really good return. I think he's general all-round play. I don't think Celtic are the team uh, without him. I don't think they have that focal point. Um, so for me it would be quite easily Edward uh, you know you, and I think when you look at the rest of the Celtic team the Celtic players the majority of them are very consistent because they're always winning they're always on the front foot so but Edward for me would be the standout What was your other point Brian? Uh, so my second point uh, I want to say look we all feel sorry for teams like Thistle Hartford Stra. as a football fan I find it hard when Celtic lose a game never mind come to terms with my team going down Nobody wants to see anybody lose their jobs, especially at this uncertain time. But the only people that they have to blame for being in this position is themselves. They just haven't been good enough. Hearts have only won four games this season. Mr. Ra have only won two. Yes, this season wasn't fully completed, but they haven't been good enough, have they? Also, a quick point on league reconstruction. I just can't see any possible way that's going to work to benefit every club. As you'll see with Dunfermline, releasing 17 players already. This is just the start. 
Uh, just wanted to get your guys' opinions on that as well. Yeah, Hugh. I mean, I've heard that various times, and you see it in social media, Hugh. You know, you've only got yourself to blame if you're at the bottom, and that's obviously true. But at the same time, we didn't, no one expected the, the league to be called. So, it's a, it's a very difficult one. I mean, look at Partick Thistle, for instance. They're only what was it, a point behind? A game you in know, hand. a game in hand. So this notion that because they were there means they deserve to go down. I'm not. Sh- I'm not sure that that quite fits. Well, if we accept, and many people do, that Celtic were not going to be caught with a 13-point lead, then we also have to accept that uh, there was a wriggle room for Partick Thistle and for Hearts to get out of the predicament that they were in. Uh, So there will always be consternation over the way this season ended. But we had to end it in order to move forward because we are struggling with something that is totally out with our control and it has so many financial ramifications. So the season had to be called and we had to move on. With regard to Brian's final point about reconstruction, when you go out and deliver us headlines about a club uh, making 17 players unemployed, now is not the time to be discussing reconstruction. Not when we don't know how many clubs we'll have by the time we come back. I suppose the argument would be, Alex, that this is, in some people's mind, a fix to to some of those issues. And if it's been perceived over the last few weeks, whether you agree or not, if the perception is that this whole situation is particularly unfair on Hearts, on Partick Thistle and Stranraer, then whether you like reconstruction or not, surely that is seen as a way of providing a bit of... Justice to the teams that you feel have been hard done by Well let's put it this way If the if the league hadn't been called And we were in this position Gordon It would not even have been raised I don't think anybody was actually kind of Raising the point And that in fact you're absolutely, you're absolutely right And for Brian to say he's no sympathy for them uh, You know he kind of contradicts He says I've got some sympathy And then he says about their bottoming in all this For me they have to recognise That they could have got out of this mess Particularly Partick Thistle And Unfortunately they're not going to get that opportunity And as I said the other one beforehand I would be surprised I was speaking to somebody for the Foundation of Hearts yesterday And they say that there's a large appetite To take this further Partly because they feel as if they could have got out of the mess And because they are going to be punished financially By actually the, the, the actions taken So they're in a worse off position so I understand their, uh, their stance By actually maybe going down the legal route Yeah but even at that and I don't know for sure But I imagine that would look like if that was to happen If that was to be successful That looks like Perhaps fi- Financial uh, recompense. recompense You know Down the line In terms of how you You balance it up On a on a sporting sense Or come up with a, a football solution At the moment Then reconstruction Is the obvious answer Whether people Like the idea or not Is the obvious answer yeah, but Without doubt Because there's no other way You can address it Gordon So I understand why Reconstruction was put on the table But when you look at The kind of the, the, the temporary The full time Self-interest Calving up the cake For the Sky deal You can see all of the Kind of hurdles That they had to overcome There's too many For me to even get up and run And Hugh's right Because if You know as, If we were not in this position We we wouldn't even be speaking about this And it's all As you rightly said it's we're in, Because we are in the position We are now Actually floating the idea We put it to bed And goes Reconstruction's off the table mm. It's now back on the table I think the whole thing's a mess Thank you very much Brian in Blackhill Let's speak to Andrew in Maryhill Hi Andrew Hello there How's it going? Not too bad Good stuff, what's your point tonight? Uh, I've got a couple of points And the first one I'd like to ask I'd like to be educated See the SPFL mm-hmm. I don't agree with them Given what they gave 
they should they should have cancelled and void the 2019-2020 season and put it in respect of the over 2,000 lives that have been lost in Scotland. Again, and, I get, listen, Andrew, I think that's that's a it's a lovely sentiment, and I wouldn't want to object to that too much. But are we in danger of? Of, of conflating issues here that, that don't need to be I mean As far as I can see No league in, in the world Or no league in Europe is, is voiding their competition As a mark of respect That's not to say We shouldn't have respect But th- is that really necessary? I'm not interested In any other leagues At the moment I think that should have been Paid for respect For the lives that have been lost In Glasgow here And also Scotland And also could could also say see the points that everybody had left this season. Mm-hmm. And if, why did they know when it get void? Start it on the next season. Keep them all with the same points and let them play the next season fully out. And that would have made sure who was going up and who was going down. Partly the problem you had with that, uh, Andrew, was that if you'd carried this over to the next season, you wouldn't have had the time to finish. Next, the new season with the Sky deal, you would never have got it done. And then you've damaged two seasons. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong, it's obviously a hugely uh, difficult time. Hugh, what do you make of Andrew's take on it? Um, no, not for me. Uh, I think you're perfectly correct that we all uh, mourn the loss of the thousands of, of Scottish people who have passed away due to coronavirus. Uh, but the SPFL cannot void the season because of a pandemic. It, it, they are trying to move on while feeling sorry, of course, feeling absolutely devastated by the loss of life, but they are trying to move on because they have a game to save here. And they're trying to do it in the, the most practical way possible. And it was totally impractical to suggest we'll, we'll finish off next season at the start of uh, finish off this season at the start of next season uh, it simply does not work in because BT have the rights to this season or did have and Sky have the rights to next season whenever it comes about you're just creating chaos for no good reason Andrew some interesting points thank you very much Andrew in Mary Hill it's time for us though to get travel with Stephen and if you give us a call now you could be next Super Scoreboard with Thompson's personal injury solicitors tackling compensation claims for more than 40 years talk to thompsons.com Alex Ray in the studio Hugh Keevans in the man cave both waiting for you to get in touch 01419511025 and on Twitter at Clyde SSB let's go straight back to the phone line speak to Stuart he's a Rangers fan in Coatbridge hi Stuart Good evening, pal. I hope you're all keeping safe and well. Not bad at all, Stuart. Thanks. Hope you're well. Also, what's your point? Yes, my point is I think they, we could get together on Monday and sort last year before Scottish football became the worst. Uh, I would think they should go down and make, sit, sit down on Monday, talk about reconstruction because we know we've heard that a, lot, a couple of teams are nearly, they're not far away from going under or bust. And if they sit down on Monday and maybe sort it out and get them all together, and then once this is all over and once it's hopefully it'll pass, they can give out get things back to normal. But before that happens, I think if you sit down on Monday, if Neil Doncaster's listening, if you can hear me, they sit down on Monday before this gets any worse in Scottish football because it will get worse if they don't sit down on Monday or whenever they do, they try and get the place back to where it was or a lot of teams will go down. In, in fairness, Hugh, I would imagine, in fact, I know for certain that our footballing authorities say what you like about them, I'm pretty sure they're they're aware of this. They're aware of the danger, and they've been working on it as best as they can for 
For a good few weeks now The problem is You're you're dealing with And I'll use that phrase That everyone's fed up of here In an unprecedented situation You've also got to bear in mind What, what the government want And what, what the government allow um, You know you're then In the, the hands of, of Some of your corporate partners as well So yeah it's, it's a nice sentiment To say get everyone together Sort it out But it's just extremely complex the most damning thing of all about the problem that we face is that it is created by a situation over which we have no control. It's created by a global pandemic. This is not about Neil Doncaster, the SPFL board or 42 clubs. They could sit down from now until next Friday. It will make no difference. This is for scientists and this is for the Scottish government to determine when we are allowed to come back and play football. Even June 10, which is the supposed starting date for coming back into training, even that may yet change because, as Nicola Sturgeon said yesterday, we may have to roll back from some of the steps that she has taken. So it's nothing to do with the SPFL board or the clubs or Neil Doncaster or Murdoch McLennan or whoever. It's about scientists it's about government, it's about a plague. Don't get me wrong, Alex, that's not to say that you exonerate the footballing authorities from, from any sort of blame just because it's difficult, you know, re- regardless of how difficult it is, we simply have to find solutions and we have to find a way to n- navigate through this and that's why you would like to think that proper forward thinking, out-the-box thinking, innovative thinking has taken place with regards to Ways that we can stream games Ways that we can generate money Ways that we can get around the, the virus If that makes sense Because if it's not possible to just rock up on a Saturday at 3 o'clock And stick 50,000 people in a stadium I think we know that I think we know that's not possible So what are you going to do about it? How are we going to get around it? I think you've got to try and figure out you know, By discussing on a regular basis Potential pitfalls Good suggestions How do we implement them? And then when it comes to Ian Maxwell and Neil Doncaster talking to people within the government, Gordon, in terms of guidance and how they can actually start getting up and running and implementing things, they may well then be able to do that. I think June the 10th is still realistic. Uh, Once we kind of start this slow phase one, uh, and then obviously we've still got a few more weeks to try and get to to the stage where we can actually get players in and get them actually training in smaller numbers uh, with the isolation and distancing and all that carry on with that as well. So... Um, but one of the things I think in terms of Neil Doncaster, it'd be interesting to see if he's actually spoke to Sky because I think it's a safe bet. Yeah, and and, and just maybe get some clarity that we may well be able to share with the clubs, Gordon, because it'd be a good idea to see what their stance is, so that when it comes to the the, the teams discussing a potential reconstruction, they might be able to say what well, our broadcasting partners are for or are against yep. or, or some sort of idea going forward. I mean, Hugh. On, on one hand, I, I don't think it's always wise to just pluck an example from another country and say, oh, if they're doing that, why can't we? Because you've got different circumstances. However, I'll, I'll break that rule and I'll do it anyway. I don't know if you noticed this, and this may fry your brain given the way that you struggle to operate the Nokia. I don't know if you saw that, that story today, Hugh, that football in Denmark is coming back, but with no fans, they are creating the world's first virtual grandstand. So you essentially buy a virtual ticket and get the, get the virtual view from from that position uh, within the virtual stadium. That's where we're at. These are the types of solutions people are going to have to come up with. Yeah, but I'll also put this to you. How many fans do we know that would be able to afford all of this? Because we're also dealing with 
issues that involve supporters, and those issues will be how they, as people, as mothers and fathers and parents, how they recover from this, because they will have issues. It's not straightforward that, that uh, everyone can afford this, that or the other, but I come back to it, whether it's Denmark or our friends in the South who are trying to get their league restarted for financial reasons, but even the chairman of Liverpool conceded today there was an element of risk in bringing football back. We have to remember why we're not playing football, because of a plague. You want to come back in, Stuart? Yes, uh, I, I just hope it doesn't happen to the teams. I can mention a couple of teams. I don't want to mention just in case it happened before, before the time. But uh, I do feel sorry for young, uh, younger teams, and especially my team in Cobridge, which has been given a lot of help with this, uh, with this virus. But I just hope they sit, just sit down. Maybe see us, maybe don't cut us. Maybe he spoke to this guy, we don't know, but he probably has. Maybe he could come out with a statement next week, but we don't know. But uh, he was also talking about the the Betfred Cup, that may not go ahead now because of the, the, the situation, because of all the fixtures and all that. So we don't know. It's, it's only, only time will tell, but as you said in June, I don't think so either. I think it'll be uh, August, September, because my, 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 my good friend owns a pub down here. And he didn't know where, it, where even he stands, and even the thing to go back, what's the chances of getting the public band August? But I watch, I can't see maybe August, September. Maybe. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if those things are, are necessarily linked, though. A slightly different situation. I suppose, though, what is worth bearing in mind, Alex, you know, there are still. The, you get these isolated incidents, if you like. I mean, at the very top level, and talk about, you know, big names. I noticed, I think, today. Um, is it N'Golo Kante He's got concerns over the restart And, and Chelsea um, have allowed him to, to to miss training So I mean there's a lot of things so to overcome I think, I think Troy Deeney also had yeah. uh, issues A few of the Watford players I think they had a couple of uh, players Who had actually tested positive Gordon In terms of the, the virtual grandstand thing Gordon I think this is something different It gives the, the, the supporters something to actually buy into If they can afford it And I think that's a, a very valid point In terms of um, when you look at um, people's finances, you know, there's been a lot of people bought season tickets, thousands, a lot of clubs, Gordon. So they're very much backing the clubs under difficult circumstances. I'm absolutely certain that some will not hit the quarter that they have done in recent years. But pl- I think supporters will have a big part to play in this if they can obviously help the clubs. Thank you very much to Stuart in Coatbridge. You can join us on the phones 0141951 If you'd rather tweet, you can do that as well. Uh, you'll find us on there at Clyde SSB. Let's take another one from Ricky in Easterhouse. Hi, Ricky. Hi, good evening, Stuart. Good evening, Alex. Hi, Ricky. I was listening there to you about the concerning mm-hmm. releasing 17 players, albeit they're out of contact. <laughs> but uh, that shows you the state we're in. I'm wondering, and I was listening to Ian Maxwell last night in the telly, I'm wondering, is this the, the, the time now for the clubs in Scotland to go and promote more of the youth players. In the long term, it would be great for Scottish football, great for the national team. Finances are obviously going to be strained, so the youth boys will not command the bigger money that some of the foreign players that are coming in and demanding are, and getting. So it might be something that, that might, in, in the long term, might be good for us. So, I think we maybe have to go along that way. The clubs that can do that, we're obviously trying to do it. I mean, the top top boys will obviously buy the better players, but the youth boys, I think we need to promote them. Mm. Yeah, but I mean, I think there's always room to, to do more of that anyway, Alex. Of I mean, 
But the reality is Before this Our clubs already had to do that Or a lot of them and yeah. I'm, not, I'm not saying they were all doing it enough But you know You take Hamilton Aki Should a great example Motherwell Bring a lot of people through St Johnson this season Relying on, on a core of kids That have come through the yeah. academy So um, We're doing it already At a time when When we didn't have a pandemic So I'm not sure it's as easy as saying you know oh, this this could work out well because we'll just play the youngsters. I think it's uh, I think Ricky would, would like to see the young guys and I think in an ideal world that would may well be the case. But you know if you take Hamilton because that was exactly the, my thoughts as well. If you take Hamilton, there maybe seven eight players in a squad of about twenty uh, for starters. So are you just going to decimate the whole squad with younger guys again? Uh, and again, it was purely due to finances. I think the top flight will possibly get up and running, Gordon. Uh, just about you know most of the teams. I think the championship, if if you take, I think it's very difficult, and I, I, I most certainly think League One and League Two are going to hibernation. That's a, that's a certainty because it's it's very simple, Gordon. They rely so much on gate money, and if they're not getting that gate money, they can't pay the players. So it makes sense to try and see how this progresses, and I think things will, could po- possibly change over the coming months, because if you go back to ten weeks ago. Things have started to become more clearer as time has gone by. We, we didn't have the answers 10 weeks ago. You get more and more information. The scientists, the, you know, all the, the government officials are giving you more and more updates. And it, it becomes more clearer for a path forward. Yeah, Hugh, Alex hits on a point there. And we raised it a bit earlier on in the show of the, the difference between our divisions. You know, even if, and, I, and I, I get that it's a big if, but just come on the journey with me. If we can get the situation where we can get the top flight back, Hugh, and we can get testing for the players and, and all the rest of it. You then even just dipping into our second tier, our championship. Not all the clubs in that league are full time. Some of them are part time. So some of these guys might have to go back to other jobs. Some might not, and they're all going to be in different situations. And that just muddies the waters even further. You would imagine. Yeah, I mean to address Ricky's core point, uh, the younger players will, of necessity, uh, be put forward by teams, but not to the extent where you have a a team made up of under-21s because clubs will still have uh, an obligation to aspire towards promotion or aspire towards winning trophies in the Premiership or be concerned with survival, staying in the Premiership or staying in the Championship. So of necessity, of course, more young players will get their chance, but not to the detriment of their club's progress. And Alex, the the point that the previous caller made actually about the Betfred Cup that becomes the, the the focal point because it's it's next if you like it's the it's the tournament that kicks off first before the league was meant so, to yeah. kick off and the cruel irony being that we recently switched it to the summer and it, I think most people agree it was quite good I mean it wasn't perfect it had its downside but it gave you competitive football in the summer and it allowed teams to to really sort of bed themselves in and, and we get some cracking fixtures in those. Group stages When the weather was nice And you know I think most people Enjoyed it But actually The, the change in the schedule Is is going to be difficult Difficult for us this year Yeah um, I think when it was introduced Gordon I think people were going Right okay Let's see how this pans out I think the fact that you actually Get decent crowds at these games as well Gordon There's an appetite The fans are buying into it It's nice weather uh, And it's better than Pre-season friendlies And I think it'll be missed Come this And again it was being screened on television over the last couple of years as well, so you don't want to lose that revenue. But unfortunately, because of the time scale, if you're talking about June the 10th, and if you don't get up and running uh, at the speed that you want, how does it possibly go forward, Gordon, if, if we're talking about hibernation in League 1, League 2? 
Some of the championship clubs might not be able to go again as well. So how does that actually get up in any form? I can't see the format uh, working this summer. And Hugh, the Dunfermline thing just underlines the uncertainty. Like we said earlier on, I'd like to be clear about this. They've released 17 players that were out of contract, so they've, they've not been able to offer new contracts. What we'll never really know is, is how much of them they, they wanted to keep. I'd imagine some of them, going by the, the strength of the names, and of course you have seen people hitting out and sort of saying, you know, this is terrible and Dunfermline should have looked to extend those contracts just temporarily, continue to have those players on the government's job retention scheme, give them a bit of security going forward. But there's just so much uncertainty everywhere that you can, you don't have to agree with the decision, but you can kind of see where it's come from. I would cut Dunfermline some slack right away by saying that people have to understand the gravity of the situation that we are in now. Dunfermline Football Club are trying to remain in business. This is their way of staying in business because the government furlough scheme will last until October, but then Dunfermline and the others who run the furlough scheme will have to find a way of keeping the club going without government assistance. And if there is to be no football until later in the year, what are they to do? They have to do this government assistance. And if there is to be no football until later in the year, what are they to do? They have to do this kind of thing. And then if football restarts for the sake of conversation in the championship, December or January, then there's a mad scramble to recruit players. <laughs> he, he, he'll be none the wiser Because he's, he's at home And it was very good He was in full flow But uh, Hugh Keevans just went Double speed on us I think it was uh, Full of helium it was <laughs> But he makes some good points There as well Gordon In terms you, Jim Duffy was on the show A couple of weeks ago And he said that The majority of their players Were out of contract Every one of them Yes Not, not the majority Every single so one So all their players are out So he felt as if That was them In a good position Because they wouldn't be Carrying uh, contracts into next year Yeah the clubs it, are in a good position Maybe if you can use that word But what about the players That have yeah, just no idea what's but, going but on But it goes back to survival For the clubs Gordon So they could potentially pay the players For the next couple of months And then be bankrupt So you have to try and uh, keep the clubs Horrible for players though let, let's, Gordon I phoned you on Tuesday I think it was Talking about the mental health aspect In terms of how players Will be reacting to this They've mm -hmm. got families Now I, I take on board we're, we're specifically usually a football show But across the board Various sectors Will be really, really struggling going forward. The amount of footballers that are the young families and so forth try to pay bills and etc. Uh, I spoke to somebody for the PFA as well recently about the workshops that they're doing, run about mental health, and you have to take all this into consideration because people are suffering at the moment. Yeah, really difficult time for football clubs, managers, management teams having to sit down with players on Zoom or on WhatsApp and. And talk about their futures Whether or not they have a future at the club It must be a very strange situation We're going to speak to Motherwell assistant boss Keith Lasley He's coming up next Super Scoreboard With Thompson's personal injury solicitors Your comeback is on Talktothompsons.com Alex Ray is in the studio Hugh Keevans is in his man cave And if you want to get involved 0141 Now I'm pleased to say Motherwell assistant boss Keith Lasley Joins us on the phone at the moment Keith, how's things? All good, Colin, thanks Yes, good to speak to you Yes, same to you as always uh, Keith, we've been talking on the show tonight About the, the sort of difficult side of this now Where football is, is facing up to What might Lie ahead what, what might be around the corner And I noticed comments From, from the manager At Fur Park Stephen Robinson The other day Saying that you and him Have had to You know Speak to boys On, on Zoom calls And WhatsApp and, and explain to them That they they might Or they will or will not Be offered a contract Going forward How difficult has it been In, in the last couple of weeks? 
Yeah, very difficult. I think um, you know, I think most people listening would probably expect that answer, but it, it really has been, you know, particularly when you're talking about things um you know, you just mentioned there in terms of contract, you know, it's never a never a great task in terms of letting people know, particularly the ones that, you know, unfortunately, um, you know, we can't be kept on or um so, you know, when you're having to do that on, on Skype calls and Zoom calls, as you said, it's it's uh, you know, it just it makes it even even tougher to be honest with you. So no, I mean, while everybody, I think, understands the situation as a whole, it's it's you know it's still uh, you know news that, that that is not easy to deliver, and you know players have been very understanding. I've got to say it on the whole, but you know still difficult conversations to have. Yeah, and Alex was actually just speaking to me during the break, and this is something you'll be and any anyone who's played the game will be well aware of. Under any circumstances, at the end of any season, Keith, if you've got a bit of uncertainty about your contract, that must be a really difficult time. So. Add that to what's going on at the moment. I mean, it's 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 really really tough for players out there at the moment. No, I, I, mean, I feel for the players to be honest as a whole. I mean, players across the board. Um, you know, I'm not not that too, too long out of the playing side of the game, and you know, I know from my own experience, you know, this time of the the season can bring its you know anxieties at the best of times. So if you throw in, you know, obviously in the midst of a a pandemic and you know everything that's gone gone with it. Um, you know, uh, you know, it's it, it, for the player players and I know PFA are doing some good work. I heard Alex talking about it in terms of the the workshops and, and mental health workshops. And you know, I, I think the PFA you know need to try and be as strong as they can. I, I know they are. You know, I know I know a couple of guys that are involved in it themselves, uh, myself, and you know, they're trying to do all they can. But you know, I think there's. Unfortunately, I think that you know problems that are already underlying, I think, are only going to be exacerbated even more with this situation. And you know, as it's a, it's a stressful time uh, in all aspects. You're trying to plan for next season. You're trying to look at budgets, and even in the best of circumstances, that club of our size it has its challenges anyway from season to season in terms of trying to uh, you know work within the parameters uh, that we do. You know, as I said, throw into the mix uh, the situation we're in now, that just becomes, you know, a hundred times more difficult. So, yeah, difficult, challenging, um, you know, but, you know, what you have to do is just try and make the best of it and try and um, do the best you can. Yeah, but amidst all the uncertainty, of course, some good news. Third place finish for Motherwell, given the size of the club and the aims that you set out at the beginning of a season. We all accept it didn't quite end the way everyone wanted it to, but to get that achievement over the line, how pleasing is that? Yeah, very pleasing. You know, I, I echo what you said there. It's it's not the way we would have, would have liked to have um, done it, to be honest, uh, at the end up. You know, I remember myself as a player out on the pitch in that last game, qualifying for Europe, what a feeling that was. And we would have loved to have shared that with our fans, you know, if we eventually or ultimately would have finished up, which we were confident of doing. But um, no, I mean, it has ended the way it's ended. We, we just take it. We... we, we you know, we have to judge the season as it was, and that was over the thirty games that we played. And you know, over those thirty games, I think to be sitting where we were in the division against, you know, some teams. You know, I don't have to tell you that are, are maybe working at, uh, you know, with, with bigger budgets than we have uh, and more, um, more at their disposal. It's, it's satisfying to know that we've, you know, I think it is a, a pretty decent achievement um, in, in that in that uh, midst. So. No, we're, we're, we're delighted with that. Great effort from the players. Great effort from from everybody at the club. Um, as is always needed at our place if we, if we want to be successful What's been the key to that Keith? Because it's a vast improvement on last season's league finish And you lost important players I mean David Turnbull was the standout last season Misses the entirety of this campaign pretty much due to injury You know other guys move on as is always the case And then you know you, you do 
you know, impressive recruitment in the other direction. So, what's been the, the sort of main difference? Do you think? Um, I don't know. It's difficult. I mean, last season was a, a season of two halves. We started the season very poorly and finished it well. And um, you know, we we started this season got off to a fly and started this season very well. You know, so um, and you know, after the, the the new year, it was a little bit of up and down, if you like. But you know, we managed to. Um, you know, hold on to that third position, but you know, just a lot of hard work is the is the is the, is the bottom line. To be honest, Gordon, you know, I've got a group of dedicated staff. Uh, you know, it's uh, working alongside these coaches. You know, I'm not I'm not been coaching a long time. You know, only three years at this level, and I've got to say, the coaches and about me and the manager that leads that is, you know, it's a pleasure to work with them. The work ethic that's in the building is is fantastic. And I think that goes through every department. You know, you throw into that a group of hungry players, young players that want to improve every day and. You know, I think there's a recipe there from you know for some uh, you know some 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 decent success, and and that's what that's what we found. So there's no no magic wand. You know, we just get a group of dedicated people in the same building, and you know sometimes you can get some decent results. Keith, uh, you obviously changed the style of play at the beginning of this summer. This summer, so I was I was looking back. If you look at the season prior to that, it was a, the big target man and things. But you've obviously, sort of midway through last season, yeah, wasn't and it? and then you've obviously put Seedorf, Illich, Hilton. The Fanti Cole come up as well. What was the mindset in the last season? Because the whole kind of style of play kind of transformed, really. I, I mean, it's a great point. It was actually, if you look at it closely, it was actually the previous January was a big turning point for us. Um, you know, we went into that January in really poor form. Um, you know, there was we felt as if there was reasons for that. There was certain key members of this team missing through injury, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But you know, what the manager was brave enough to do there was 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 kind of. Yeah, we'd been well um, documented the way we'd played. You know, sometimes unfairly in our eyes, but you know that was the players we had to get the best out of them. That's how the way we want to play. But it was a, a you know a rip it up and start again job, and and we did that. We changed the formation predominantly for three three, changed the the uh, the profile of each position in terms of what we were looking for, and you know some some shrewd recruitment by the manager and Martin Foyle, the um, the head of the recruitment in terms of filling those. Um, those certain roles I, I think it just clicked for us and you know everybody bought into it the players bought into it you know um, and you know as I said that that along with you know some really hard work and a lot of others on the training pitch I think is is what has paid dividends in the end so um, you know that I think last January was 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 a real big turning point for us. To be honest, Keith, we we had one of the, the earlier callers talking about uh, bringing in younger players, depending on where we are at the moment. However, one of the key things for me, standing for the outside, the amount of good players, young Campbell, Turnbull, you know, it's been a conveyor belt in recent years for you. What is the secret to this? I know, and I know you like to put them in early doors and be surrounded by good pros, but what is the secret of developing your own uh, youngsters? Um, it's a hard, you know, it's a, it's a hard one to say, um, you know, just one specific thing, but you know, it all comes down to attitude and application for these boys. You know, you know, David may be the one that's that's a little bit. Different, a little bit special in the actual, um, you know, the talent that you know that boy's had since since all the way through, if you like. But you know, you mentioned the rest of them: Chris Cadden, James Scott, Alan Campbell, and I think Alan Campbell's probably the perfect example. Is you know, Alan won't mind me saying, I hope he doesn't. Uh, you know, he's, he's not a David Turnbull, you know, in terms of that raw attributes, in terms of ability, but what he has. Is an unbelievable will to improve every single day, and um, you know that's what we drill into these young players. It's you know talent's one thing, but it's making the most of that talent, and not not just when you like it and you when you feel like it, 
it's every single day, relentless, relentless, even when, when we're not watching. So, you know, all our, our young, majority of our young boys buy into that. And, you know, we see improvements in that, not just in the physical sense, but, you know, just even in their, um, their, their, uh, their maturity and, and everything that comes with it, dealing with pressure of playing in the first team. They just take it, um, you know, want to improve every single day, as I said, you know, and, um, you know, that that's the biggest compliment I can give them, uh, you know, our young boys as a whole, to be honest. Hugh Keevens, I know you'll be keen to get some questions over to Keith. Oh, he's got an awful delay there, Hugh Keevens. I'll maybe try and... F- I'll, is that, is I'll... that a real cave, Hugh's in? I think, I think it's a real cave. <laughs> I think we're going to restart it. We'll need to put new batteries in him uh, during the break, Keith, because he's he's got a terrible delay there. I'll, I'll just pick up where he was going to go with it, I think. Qualified for Europe, obviously, on the back of this third-place finish. That should be an incredibly exciting time, but of course you don't quite know what that's going to look like. Is it quite hard to get your head around and, and fully look forward to it at the moment? Because you've obviously experienced that as a player. Yeah, no, definitely, Gordon. It's it's one of the things that's the perks of that that long hard season, which it is in this division. It's so hard to to um, you know to, to to get that European spot. So you know, it's just something that we hope we get the chance to do. You know, obviously in this current situation, I know certainly I, I loved it as a player. I loved uh, playing against different styles of, of teams, and you know, obviously Motherwell, it doesn't it doesn't happen uh, every season. So when you do manage to achieve it, you've got to enjoy it. But, you know, certainly when it comes along, I hope it comes along. And one of the big things, actually, is I hope the fans can travel as well. You know, even if it was delayed, I would love, um, you know, I'd love that for to be the case, to be honest. Because, you know, we don't, well, we obviously still would take part. There's no doubt about that. We, we would love the fans to be on that journey as well. Because, again, as a player, I look back and, um, you know, that, that that's that's what makes it. You know, seeing your fans travel like that and their numbers um, you know, all over Europe is is fantastic. So, yeah, hope we get the opportunity. You know, first and foremost, you know, can we get our own game back? And you know, off the back of that, then hopefully there'll be that capacity to go and play. You know, play, go and play the Europa League whenever it whenever it resumes. Yeah, that reminds me. I need to renew my passport. Thanks for reminding me, Keith Lasley, Motherwell assistant boss. As always, a pleasure to speak to you. Take care. Have a good weekend. We are going to put new batteries in Hugh Keevans and we're going to do this next. Beat the pundit with the Scottish Sun. For the best football news and opinion online, the scottishsun.co.uk slash football. Beat the pundit time, 0141-951-1025. Step up to the plate, take on Alex Ray and win yourself a signed ball. It's that simple. The calls must be in though before seven o'clock. Super Scoreboard With Thompson's Personal Injury Solicitors Helping you return to action Talk to Thompson's.com Hugh Keevans is in the man cave As Keith Lasley quite rightly points out I think it is just a cave Given some of the connectivity issues that we've got But he is back, I believe We'll give him a couple of seconds to catch up with us Alex Ray's in the studio And it's time for this Beat the pundit with the Scottish Sun. For the best football news and opinion online, the scottishsun.co.uk slash football. Here's your question for the second hour. Who should the manager of the year be in Scotland? We discussed the players on Wednesday. The Football Writers Association have announced they're still going to give out end of season awards, but we didn't get round to the managers. So a very simple question. Who is your manager of the year in Scotland? Get thinking. And we'll speak to you after we do this Robert is a Rangers fan in air How's it going Robert? All good, yourself? Yeah, not too bad at all I'm going to put you up against Alex Ray tonight Fancy your chances? 
Hope so, but before we get started, can I just say to Alec, congratulations to 15 years to the day since Helicopter Sunday. Thanks, Robert. That's right, it is 15 years. Now, the thing is, we've spoken about this a number oh, of times totally. recently. Yeah, of course. When yeah. we did our, our sort of famous end of season show. Um, right, but yeah. yeah, but today, the anniversary finally. Did it make you feel old more than anything? No, no. I've, 15 uh, I've years. I've spoken to a couple of journalists over the last couple of days. It almost feels as if it was yesterday. Does I'll it? I remember it fondly. Yeah. That's what I'm saying, though. 15 years flies by. Goes by <laughs> Another 15 years I'll be surpassing you <laughs> Not quite Anyway right Let's give you something else To listen to Just so that you don't know What Robert's saying Robert you know the drill 30 seconds Up against Alex And you can pass Are you ready? Yeah already Good man Your time starts Now What national team Does Scott Arfield represent? Canada Who's currently top of La Liga? Barcelona How many league cups Have St Mirren won? Four. Who holds the record transfer fee for a Scot? Which player? Pass. Which Scottish side are famed for a hedge at the side of their home pitch? Hab. Who did Spain beat in the 2010 World Cup final? Holland. Which Scottish junior side play their home games at Home Park? Okay, let's bring Alex back. Alex, can you hear us? Yes. Same set of questions to you. 30 seconds on the clock. What national team does Scott Arfield represent? Canada. Who's currently top of La Liga? Barcelona. How many League Cups have St Mirren won? Three. Which player holds the record transfer fee for a Scott? Uh, Alan. Uh, Kieran Tierney. Which Scottish side are famed for having a hedge at the side of their pitch? Brecon. Who did Spain defeat in the 2010 World Cup final? Germany Which Scottish junior side Play their home games At Home Park Pollock Who was the Hearts manager In 2015 uh, 2015 Robbie Nielsen Okay What do you think Robert I'm done <laughs> you think, I, was, I thought it was quite close You both Answered some similar ones Certainly to start off with Canada yeah. for Scott Arfield You both got that One all Barcelona Top of La Liga You both got that Two all how many League Cups have St Mirren won? It's just the one. So you both oversold it. Still one each. Who holds the record transfer fee for a Scott? Don't start. I gave you. I gave you. <laughs> you know what I'm about to say, don't you? I don't gave you a first answer. I just says Alan. Tierney. Alan. Alan. Kieran Tierney. I don't know. What do we think? That's wrong, then. What do we think, producer Dan? Oh. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> it's wrong. I'm going to make a decision at the end on this one, right? Which Scottish side are famed for having a hedge at the side of their home pitch? Is breaking. So Alex Ray goes three two in front, but Robert equalises the Netherlands. Yeah. Uh, the 2010 <laughs> World Cup final. The Scottish junior side that play their home games at Home Park, Clyde Bank, just along the road, and in fact they share, don't they, with Yoker uh, as well? I think so. There we go. So either I would have accepted either of those, but you were both wrong. Who was Hearts manager in 2015? It is Robbie Nielsen No So Alex Ray wins it Even if I take the Alan Kieran Tierney off him Robert I'm afraid he's pipped you anyway Good game Robert Good game Yeah definitely enjoyable Stay safe partner Yeah you too Good man Do you know what producer Dan just said Thank goodness Because we've got no sign balls left That's okay. going to start the conspiracy That we, this was a setup. But it wasn't I'd have loved to rob Alex Ray We would have just owed you a ball uh, for next season But there we go Even Alan Kieran Tierney Couldn't uh, couldn't derail you Were you going to go Alan Hutton? I was But then I, I revised my answer Yeah Right okay That's fine uh, Right 0141 On the phones At Clyde SSB On Twitter Now I asked you Just before Beat the Pundit A really simple question Who is your manager Of the year? 
Now obviously Neil Lennon won the title So he's going to be In the reckoning But who else It can't all just be about The team that wins the title Surely There must be other considerations Who else Punched above their weight Who else Did the unthinkable Who else Defied Budgets And pre-season predictions Anything else You might want to take Into the equation Who is your Manager of the year 01419511025 Hugh Evans. Well, for me, the manager of the year. Well, for me, the manager of the year is Neil Lennon. Uh, I'll give you four reasons for that, Gordon. Number one, the art of sound management is acknowledging when something's gone wrong and doing something about it. Neil Lennon did that. The second point, you sign well. To get Fraser Forster and the likes of Mohamed El Yanoussi was a, a significant contribution to winning the title. Number three, you improve what you already have. He improved Odson Edward. And that's saying something. And last, he handled extraordinary problems well. Lee Griffith was out with matters of a personal nature, a deeply personal nature. He brought Griffith back and he made him a big contributor towards the end of the season. So for me, Neil Lennon unopposed. Um, Alex, I, uh, what other names would you throw in there? Because we're here yeah, till late o'clock. Yeah, we're going to debate them all. I mean, Colin John says, excuse me, Neil Lennon won two trophies and was on course for another treble. Get your facts straight. Um, it's extremely sorry, Colin. I didn't mean any disrespect. I think there's a, a strong argument for Neil Lennon. Uh, I mean, obviously, that's yeah, always absolutely. the case when you're winning things. Stephen Robinson, uh, for the job he's done, uh, the players that he has lost over the course of his time there as well, the turnover players... The different style of play To get into third place On their budgets Very good You have to say that Livingston Is a remarkable uh, Story Gordon Because the whole Nucleus of their team uh, Was changed in the summer Lost a lot of players But uh, managed to get In the top six I'm going to throw one in Go on then Give me a curveball Tommy Wright Getting into the top six After After a start of No wins in nine Mm-hmm. And I think in the previous uh, time of the Premier League Anyone that hasn't had a win uh, Have been relegated I'm not sure if the Hibs fans will agree Having seen St Johnson leapfrog into the top six Based on points per game But uh, listen, they all, they all count Come e- the end e- of the even, season Even if you take it 6th uh, or 7th Gordon They're obviously in 6th at the moment But the fact that they hadn't won In a quarter of the season was remarkable Like I say, we will get into a bit more detail We're just throwing a few names out there To to jog your memory Because we want your opinion really We want to know who's your manager of the year 01419511025 Yep, Robbie Nielsen Hugh obviously gets a a mention for promoting Dundee United Who else in that division? Dick Campbell, maybe? Yeah, I would have to say that John Robertson's done a decent job also Yeah, uh, Inverness Cali Thistle, uh, very successful under uh, John Robertson, who I think would be a contender for the Hearts job if Daniel Stendhal doesn't take up the opportunity to manage them in the Championship, if that's where they are next season. Uh, remember, it really is up to you, though. Forget what we think. Just for now, 01419511025. We're asking you, who is your manager of the year? Pick up the phone and let us know, or send us a tweet, because the Scottish football writers announced they're still going to give end-of-season awards on Wednesday night. We had great debates about player of the year. We had names like Edward thrown in quite a lot. Scott Brown came up quite a lot. We had a very strong case. Um, a Rangers fan was very upset towards the end that, that Morelos wasn't getting the, the credit he deserved We looked outside the, the top clubs as well And looked at, at Lyndon Dykes and Declan Gallagher and, and various others So um, there's always a good debate to be had 
At this time of the season But now we want to turn our attention To the managers Who's your manager of the year And why Give us give us the backstory Give us the, the justification Because you can base it On a number of things Obviously Winning trophies Winning games But as Hugh mentioned Some of the other factors Alex That you sometimes look at You know Um Bouncing back from adversity Dealing with difficult situations Improving what you've got Absolutely Recruiting yeah. well Because these yeah. are all things that we Or fans would criticise managers for As the season goes on So it's only right then That you recognise who does those things well Yeah absolutely And I think uh, the, the the guys that I'd mentioned there Obviously Neil Lennon's got the best out of his squad Stephen Robinson You know To, to get a European spots Brilliant Livingston players But See when you go down the divisions as well uh, Sorry down the division of uh, Hamilton Aki's Gordon, you know, I think their remit is to stay in the division year on year. They are by far the, the lowest paying team in the league. And when you think that Brian Rice in his first season as, as manager, full season, well, 30 games, but uh, I think he's done a great job also, Brian Rice. Yep, let's hear from you. 0141951 Brian is in Cardonald. What name have you got for us, Brian? Uh, I've got Jim Goodwin. Top low. Magic rocked into a job, wasn't sure what he was doing, and he inherited players. He's managed to do what he said he would do, which would save them off of reg, uh, relegation, excuse me. And also, uh, he gave me his previous job, so he's my top man for the job because I'm now doing his job that he did when he was part time at Alloa, and he saved St. Mirren from relegation. So that's my vote, and Big Jim's a top bloke. What, what what job was that? The manager's job? No, he was he was he was doing a part time job, uh, delivering pharmaceuticals and. Oh and right! Stuff. I thought you meant you were the Alloa manager, just no, phoning no, up no, under the table. And then I, he actually said to me, "Look, I know you've been ill for two years, and you need to get back into the system." Chapped me up, gave me his job. He took the Sudan job, and I've been doing it a year. And that's what I've been doing Front line Delivering to all the chemists Since Big Jim Gave me a job Plus, Brilliant I love that He's done a stellar job At St Mirren So Big Jim Gets Big Brian's vote I mean you're, you're Undeniably biased But for a very good reason It sounds like a great story And I, I think, I'm, I'm, I'm genuinely Delighted when, with that When you uh, think When Jim came into the club uh, I think recruitment Was an issue You know They were behind uh, In terms of getting Bodies in And I think he obviously Recruited quite late on So I have to give him credit uh, Because you know To get ninth place is probably more than we expect at the beginning because they were playing catch up. Yeah, uh, I mean, Hugh, whether that's enough for manager of the year, the absolute outstanding manager, Jim Goodwin's a humble chap, he'd, he'd probably blush at, at, at talk of that. But any any of the, you know, the Hamilton's and St. Mirren's, you've got to look at what is success, what is it that you're aiming for in its survival. So if you secure it, and yes, before anyone jumps up and down, I know it's under bizarre circumstances this season, um, but it's job done. I admire Brian's story. It's a terrific personal story, and I'm sure that Jim Goodwin is very grateful for Brian telling that story. However, I and the other members of the Scottish Football Writers Association have to sit at our dinner, sadly cancelled this season because of uh, the, the, the virus. But I have to sit at that dinner and know that the guy I'm looking at accepting the Manager of the Year award is there without equivocation. There's no reason why anyone else should be there. And for me, if it's not is there without equivocation, there's no reason why anyone else should be there. And for me, if it's not Neil Lennon, and I accept that he starts off with all the great advantages of Celtic's wealth and their past success, but if it's not Neil Lennon, 
then for me, you've gone for a second choice. Yeah, and that is that's Hugh Keevan's take on it. And to be fair, you did build a, a compelling case. It wasn't just as saying, well, you know, he won the league, and, and that's that. You know, you, you mentioned yeah. some of the other factors. Interesting su- suggestions on Twitter, though. It's always good to think outside the box, just um, to make sure we're, we're getting uh, heading in the right direction. Andy Jackson says, "What about John McGlynn at Wraith Rovers, Manager of the Year? Lots of pressure to get up and a cup final too." Yeah, uh, uh, you'd have to throw him into the mix, and, and uh, as Hugh knows, I think was it Hugh is at four contenders normally for the manager of the the year. I think they just name one f- when it's the football writers. I think, yeah, but in terms of the actual nominees leading up to the night, do they not normally have four managers? No, nah, I don't, I th- I don't think that, so. That I think the, that's the PFA. Do, but it doesn't really matter. We're just yeah, spitballing. If you yeah, like. no, without a doubt, John McGlynn comes into that, Gordon, because the remit uh, Falkirk threw everything at it as well. Obviously, a point behind. And because of where it's been called at the moment, John uh, also going into the final. Kieran Reynolds says, Manager of the Year is Paul Hartley at Cove Rangers. Prove me wrong, he says, <laughs> uh, in block capitals for extra emphasis. Again, you're you're looking at people that have won things Absolutely. and won it well, coming not so long ago from the Highland League and, and looking to bounce straight up and progress up the SPFL ladder. I mean, granted I know a lot of people will, will then say Well they've clearly got resources yeah. um, Because some of the players that they attracted to Cove um, The other League 2 clubs would have loved to sign some of them But you still got to get the job done Gordon I think that's the key thing You know Paul Hartley would come under that bracket of having good resources I'd be interested to see where they go again next year Because I've obviously thrown a few quid at it And then you also get Dundee United who were the, the heavy Spenders in the championship But at the end of the day Gordon We've seen teams spend fortunes And still not get up Let's get the thoughts of Mike and Bishopton Who jumps out for you Mike? Evening gentlemen uh, I actually think uh, Robbie uh, Nielsen I think You know The the, the pressure that was on that guy um, You know It it, it, uh, followed in the footsteps Of you know The thought they could get Patty Lightning To get them uh, you know, back up didn't work. Ray McKinnon, you know, they they bring in uh, Robbie Nielsen, who I actually thinks a very very good up and coming manager. Um, he managed to also uh, secure the services of Lauren Shankland, um, uh, and who incidentally get into the Scotland setup as well. So um, I think uh, me, I actually think Rob, Robbie. Uh, Nielsen uh, From me general Yeah Hugh The thing about those types of suggestions you, you have to take into account The the sort of pressure And the expectation level of going up Similar to Celtic Or well it's all relative Dundee United were Favourites To win the championship and, you know, and, and had Very good resources But that comes with its own pressure Hugh And they've seen over the last few seasons That it's not as easy as that I'm not, not trying to detract from Robbie Nielsen in any way, shape or form. First class guy and coach. However, he started with a massive advantage in terms of budget over every other club in the championship. And I repeat my point. If I am sitting at the awards dinner, I have to know that the manager of the year I am looking at has done his work at the highest possible level. And for me... That's Neil Lennon mm. Yeah, no, Ian, listen you've, you've stated that quite clearly I'm not asking you to change your mind But we're here till 8 o'clock And trying to look at all the different <laughs> possibilities And just to play devil's advocate If you hold it against Robbie Nielsen For having the biggest budget What does that say for Neil Lennon in the Premiership? 
Well, he's also up against the uh, Rangers uh, and expected to overcome. I know they don't have the, the equal of Celtic's budget, but for me, it's a different kind of pressure. It's a more sustained pressure. And for me, Dundee United, having recruited Lauren Shankland at the kind of money they were paying him, uh, they that built-in insurance policy of Shankland's goals as well. I'm not detracting from Robbie Nielsen. There was a pressure on Dundee United to get up because they've been too many years out of the top flight. But I just think that if you're putting my back to the wall and saying it has to be him or him, then for me it's Neil Lennon over Robbie Nielsen. Oh, don't worry, we're not asking you. We're not asking you to change your mind. That was Mike and Bishopton. Decent suggestion though, Mike. Clearly enough in it for us to uh, have a good discussion on the back of it. Let's keep those calls coming. Who's your manager of the year? 01419511025. I'll get a full time teaser for the pundits next. The full time teaser with ScottishSun.co.uk. Get all the latest football news and opinion. Hugh Evans and Alex Ray on the show tonight. They're asking you for your manager of the year suggestions. Give us the name. Give us why. You need to build a strong case And you can give us the other people In the running for it as well 0141-951-1025 But before we do that Quickly on tonight's teaser And uh, thank you to Mikey for sending it in He says This week He's got a wee story attached as well I like that He says This week Rangers announced Andy Halliday was leaving And he was the last player to score In a cup final for Rangers Can the pundits name the last 10 players To do so before him So before Andy Halliday we're looking for the last 10 players to score in a cup final for Rangers. Nitro Novo. Yes. Jelovic. Yes. Chris Boyd. Yes. Did you just say players or strikers? Just players. players. Um, Loving Krantz. Uh, no. Uh, Naismith. No. All right, we'll leave it there. So you've got Jelovic, Novo, and Boyd uh, Before Andy Halliday We're looking for the last 10 players To score For Rangers In a major cup final So the Scottish cup final Or the league cup final Lafferty No Not believe it there You've got 3 down And 7 to go Right we're asking for Manager of the year suggestions James is a Celtic fan From Clyde Bank Is it Neil Lennon all day For you James? Of course Of course Alright guys How you doing? Not bad Thank at all Build perfect. the case then Because obviously We know he's, he's won trophies no, but before I go to build the case, I just want to say something, Alec. I'm absolutely flabbergasted that a guy that was a former professional football player can even contemplate it. I'm all for freedom of speech and people having their own opinions and that, but for you to sit there and even contemplate any other manager other than Neil Lennon is incredulous. Can I'll, 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 back, I'll back my James, hand up, right? James, James, on, James I, I never I actually said Neil Lennon, but he asked me for another couple of points. Contemplating reach even so, you're not, so you're not even allowed to acknowledge James That other managers have had good seasons It's, it's got to that level Because Alex said Neil Lynn I just said there that I've offered free speech And people having their own opinion right? so like let, me, let, let, me back, let me back my argument up right Neil Lennon has just won five league titles as a manager Five league titles as a player The first person in Scottish football history to do that right Also See when Rangers did nine in a row I'm sure that Walter Smith and Graham Sears between them won either eight or nine of the manager of the years. There was not one question about this is only a new fad that's happened since it started Celtic being the very the biggest successful club again in the last few years about talking about other managers because of done well, they've kept a club up or they've done this like Steve Clark winning it and then Yogi Hughes winning it because he won the Scottish Cup and that. 
Every year that Rangers won the nine in a row, it was either Walter Smith or Graham Souness, the guy, the manager here, accolade. There was never any discussion about all other teams this or other teams have done that. Or well, that. Here's, the, here's the problem with that, James. And by the way, this is not me saying that it shouldn't be Neil Lennon. That wouldn't surprise me at all. Of course, you, you can build a good case. But but we're here to try and, and have a discussion and try and look at different points. So if if your logic is correct, what we should do at five past six is say Celtic won the title, Neil Lennon's a manager of the year, end of discussion. Then if that's what you're saying, if it's if it automatically has to be the manager that wins the league, then there's no point in us really talking about it, is there? That's not what I'm saying at all. None of this discussion happened during Rangers nine in a row. That's my point. None of this discussion happened. It was always a legendary Walter Smith about how he led Rangers to nine in a row, continued it for Graham Souness about louder up, about Gaston, all the time about the three frivolous five or you spend, we'll spend a tether. Everything, it was always focused on Rangers about how great they were. And even There was even mention about mm. putting them in the same breath as the Liquid Lions at one yeah. point. Just, just before we go any further, James, because it's, it's obviously it's important to be accurate, is there any Reason that you've failed to mention that Andy Roxburgh, Alex Totten, and Jimmy Nicholl won Manager of the Year in Scotland during Celtic's nine uh, during Rangers nine in a row. Is that true? Well, that's what I said. I was I was the, I was the hundred percent sure. But well, you sounded so, sure. So how how did Andy Roxburgh win Manager of the Year in the eighty nine ninety season? How did he win that? Because he got them to uh, the World Cup in nineteen ninety. I would suggest. Right, so that right, so that that right, fair enough. Right, well, fair enough. That's me. But that's I think that's an accolade for Scotland. Right, the kind of matches. One of, the, one of the years So that's one league title right? Did you so know did, did, James, did, James, James I, think, I think you actually said That it was uh, Graham Souness And Walter Smith No one else was I mentioned this Eight or nine I said eight or nine But I wasn't 100% sure Yeah, so Don't get me wrong They obviously won the most of them But just Alex Totten won it For St Johnson Jimmy Nicholl won it For Wraith Rovers right, St Johnson Was that when they won The Scottish Cup uh, No I wouldn't have thought yeah. so The 1991 season though. They only won it once oh, Under that was Tommy Wright Was it no Kermanock Alec Totten won it With Kermanock he was, that, at he was at St Johnston when he won Manager of the Year. Right, all right. And, it was, that's, and I say, I wasn't 100%, but as I say, the, main, the, 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 the top, there was never any discussion about any other managers winning that apart from Walter Smith, really. They, they must have been in the early years or late seed Scotland with mm-hmm. Andy Roxburgh in the late years. So, but the main, the main top was hang. There's no need, I'm not saying that people aren't allowed to have an opinion or their own thoughts. Of course, well, that's a free world, but like you said, You've got to have a reason for even discussion. So why is there even a discussion? Neil Lennon's created history. He's only cost by going on to do a quadruple treble. You know what I mean? There's, there's, there's neither. This is the most dominant, dominant period in Scottish football history. Period. There's never been these last five years. There's never been a period like this in Scottish football history, including the Lisbon Lions and Rangers in the road team. Never. For what it's worth, Hugh, I mean, you, you agree with James. It is Neil Lennon all day for you. Um, I, I still think you, you simply have to acknowledge people that have done excellent jobs under really trying circumstances, financially and otherwise. Yeah, yeah I, I think James slightly misses the point here. His first remark was about Neil Lennon has won five leagues as a manager and five as a player. That is wonderful for Neil Lennon but it's irrelevant in terms of the manager of the year argument. And therefore, that's why I constructed a case. In December, Neil Lennon showed sound management because he acknowledged something was wrong and he did something about it. And after December, Celtic were much better than Rangers and that's why they won the title. He also signed well. He improved what he had in Odson Edward and indeed in a, a Jeremy Frimpong, for example. And he handled it. Many ordinary problem of 
Lee Griffiths and his mental health issues extremely well. He brought Griffiths back and he was a big player for Celtic. So take that season in isolation. What he did was what made him the manager, not because he won five titles as a player and five titles as a manager. Uh, I mean, on Twitter, so many great discussion points coming in, different ways of looking at things. Uh, Gary Curran is on. And just in case you think this is always about you know, sort of team bias and stuff It's not Gary's got a big picture His profile picture is the, the trophy And it says nine in a row And it's got the green and white uh, ribbons from it But Gary says it has to be Stephen Robinson The guy's worked wonders at Motherwell To get them third with a budget Less than clubs like Hearts, Aberdeen and Hibs um, Loads obviously coming on for, for Neil Lennon As you would expect Having won the, the, the two trophies that we've seen so far What else have we got? Um, I like it when people throw in the sarcastic suggestions as well That's, uh, that's very good Right, 01419511025 Callum Hendry again He says Lennon or Robinson But after all the doubters Lennon's got to win it with the job he's done Not only won trophies But the way he's got the team playing uh, Has been brilliant attacking football Jed Marr though Has thrown in another name from down the league Dick Campbell I mean, again, if you're you're not really taking backstory into account, he's got so many promotions under his belt. But even if you're talking just this season, Alex, um, I mean, fifth place, both were flying high. Yeah, they were almost uh, in a playoff spot, Gordon. They they had lost some ground in recent weeks before the the, the, the we had to close down. Uh, the four points off of air, but you have to say, you know, with the resources that they have and. You know, he's been a brilliant manager over the years. Uh, this will go down as one of his uh, better ones as well due to the fact that he's kind of chapping on the door. Uh, in case you hadn't noticed, Hugh even sounded a bit ropey again there, but hopefully he's still with us. Jim, I think, has got a point for Hugh. Jim's in Easterhouse. How's it going, Jim? Fine, I'm just I'm flabbergasted as that last call I said about Hugh and Robbie Nielsen's comments. Well, to be what, fair, the what? last caller was flabbergasted at Alex, so it's Hugh's turn. He was flabbergasted for a few days. I don't think he was right in any of the points. He was flabbergasted on the huge point. He can't give any credit to he can't give any credit to Robbie Nielsen, but he can give credit to Neil Lennon. Neil Lennon's got a bigger budget than I think the whole of the full league in Scotland put together. Am I right in saying that, Hugh? Uh, right, I hope you can hear me loud and clear, Jim. I take nothing away from uh, Robbie Nielsen, but I'm making the point that when I look at the manager of the year, I have to think that in my mind, I am looking at the guy who's unopposed uh, and has operated at the highest level. Neil Lennon and Steven Gerrard live in a different postcode from every other manager when it comes to pressure. No one's under pressure like those two. And Neil Lennon survived that and won a title. Robbie Nielsen did it in a league where he doesn't have to live with, for example, the pressure of... It being demanded of him that he also wins trophies like the Betfred Cup as well as the league. He doesn't have to contend with European football and have that taken into the mix while you're trying to win the league and become manager of the year on domestic merits. So for those reasons, Neil Lennon for me is above Robbie Nielsen. I am not detracting from what Robbie Nielsen did, but there are levels. As Alec Lee always said, there are levels. What do you think, Jim? There's levels here. So you're saying that no one can only win trophies and uh, win leagues against inferior opposition. That's basically what you're saying. You're saying there's levels. What about Clues? Celtic could beat Afi Clues. To be fair though, Jim, I don't think that that doesn't really come into the the manager of of the year debate. And I mean, you know, he also he also beat Lazio. If if you wanted to to balance it up, so I'm, I'm not sure that really comes into it, does it? No, it doesn't. Absolutely. Levels, levels, you levels. 
Yeah, but you've you've no, picked no, no. you've picked the bad result that Celtic had in Europe and, and ignored the good ones. I think we agree. Both Rangers and Celtic had good European campaigns. Rangers got got around further, obviously, until um, until such times as it was brought to a close. Where's he gone? He's gone Jim again. is for me making a point that are you, are you talking to me? On you go. Gordon, if you're talking to me, I am trying to give you my answer. Uh, Jim is in that category of supporters who is saying, I don't care whether it's Robbie Nielsen, Dick Campbell, or Uncle Tom Cobley, so long as it's not Neil Lennon. That's not an argument. It's Uncle Tom Cobley. I'm too, too, I'm too young. <laughs> it's an old song. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I'm going to look that up during the break I liked it, don't get me wrong I liked it, I just never heard of him before um, We had more on Twitter there that I wanted to discuss with you Again, because I know some people just want to to look at one main reason and, and that's it But it, it's good to sort of delve a bit deeper and find some of the detail Not that it means they're, they're going to win it But it's an interesting debate PM says Gary Holt at Livingston Fifth place And the only team to beat Celtic other than Rangers in the league And I mean... He's done a brilliant job, Gordon. But I think it was in the last break we were kind of going through the table, and I'm saying to you, for me, I think they have the second lowest budget to Hamilton, and to be sitting in fifth um, is a remarkable job. And you rightly said that you know they gave the top teams some really difficult games, particularly on the and the AstroTurf. Um, and as I said, when you lose the personnel that he did last summer, uh, you're losing guys like Halkett and so forth. To then get up to fifth position is absolutely remarkable. Because that's that's the thing about our division. And again, I'm saying this in the interest of the debate, not because I don't think it's Neil Lennon. Obviously, he's done a, a fantastic job and won the two main yep. pieces of silverware. But because we do have that that financial gap, it's at least worthwhile to take into account those that are seriously punching above their weight. And that would be Livingston. Let's remember the core of that squad is the core of the squad that was in League One and they got back-to-back promotions but then even at that, remember a lot of people in the summer sort of went down the line of you know, it was a one-season wonder and they've lost Declan Gallagher they've lost Craig Halkett they've lost Liam Kelly but look at look at the way they've, they've recruited and plugged those gaps Yeah, absolutely um, I think when you look at some of the players they've brought in Gordon they've suited the actual particular style of play that they actually have they get up, they get in your face uh, and they've done brilliant, you know, and you have to give credit to the, the management team. I know Gary Holt was desperate to get back in. He'd applied for jobs. Some people weren't even responding to his uh, application. And he's gone in there, he's showed a great desire, a great eye for a player. And he's now got his team up in fifth place, which is a brilliant return. Yeah, I mean, one of the players that came up on the discussion on Wednesday was, Bartley. well, L- Lyndon Dykes, I was going Dykes to say, because as well, yeah. the goal return, having stepped out of Stephen Doby's shadow at, at Queen of the South, and not only that, some some big goals as well, Given guys like Christopher Julian and the Rangers defenders Don't and the Aberdeen that, yeah. defenders, you know the, the the top teams in the league, given them really difficult afternoons. Yeah, without doubt. And uh, as I said, and it's about getting these players. And I think when you're as a manager, you're looking to try and bring in players who complement what you have. You're hoping for them to kick on. Some of them have been playing at a lower level. And Dykes would come into that bracket. You know, Mar- I thought Marvin Bartley was a brilliant signing for him. I'm surprised that Hibs let them go because he was the type of player that they've missed badly this year. So when you look at some of these guys, they've been the kind of focal point throughout the team. Uh, okay, 0141 There's still plenty of time for you to get in touch We're on Twitter as well um, 
Shed boy Says Robbie Nielsen Just for signing Lauren Shanklin That's it to be honest He's not even bothered about The the, the leaky success He just says for For signing Lauren Shanklin What else have we got on here um, A few people saying Neil Doncaster right. Yeah we get it uh, Nicky says Can't believe Gary Holt Hasn't had a mention Well he just has But to be fair Nicky tweeted before Unreal On the budget What he's got Lennon's budget's close to 60 million I'm not a Livy fan Or a big Holt fan But the guy's a great manager um, And in fact he says That's Tony in Rutherglen Hugh can you hear us I can Any more on the teaser uh, John Fleck No Barry Ferguson No oh. um. Tavernier No Mayday, mayday yeah, Let me remind you of the question then Just going into the break This week Rangers announced Andy Halliday will leave at the end of his contract He was the last player to score in a major cup final for Rangers Can you name the 10 to do so before him? Jelovic, Novo and Boyd I'll give you a bit of help What, what cup final did Halliday score in? Uh, was it two th- 2015? 16 Right, well what, how many goals did Rangers score that day? I know, but I'm trying to think who the other guy was So someone else got one that day before Andy Halliday, who equal was it an equaliser? Uh, I think. Oh, anyway, who scored Rangers first that day? Uh, Kenny Miller. Yes, Kenny Miller. Okay, we'll leave it there. You've got some serious thinking to do during the break. Four down, six to go. We'll get them next. The full time teaser with ScottishSun.co.uk. Get all the latest football news and opinion. That's us into the final part of tonight's Clyde One Super Scoreboard But there's still plenty of time for you to get involved on the phones or on Twitter now Thank you to Mikey We're going about this full-time teaser as well Alex and Hugh need to come up with the answers within the next 10 minutes or so And just a reminder, the address for the teasers is fulltime at Clyde1.com So, Andy Halliday was the last player to score in a major cup final for Rangers Can you name the 10 to do so just before him? Kenny Miller, Nikita Jelovic Nacho Novo And Chris Boyd That's what you've got Hugh Farl So far Let's see what Hugh Keevan's got At the break uh, Stephen Davis Yes Stephen Davis Well done Alex You came up with a few During the break Yes I did yes uh, Morris Ross So you've now remembered The specific game And I fear you're just Going to rattle through them Okay Morris Ross Fernando Yeah Kiriakos Yes I remember it, it was there. I, I was sitting behind the goal It wasn't, wasn't uh, great From my perspective Buffel Nope Avalazzi um, no, no, you've got them all from that game. Right, okay, then that's me. I think I'm away. I'll see you later. So you've got two to get: one in the 2003 Scottish Cup final, one in the 2008 Scottish Cup final. Okay. Okay, we'll leave it there. Let's speak to James and Pollock. Remember, we've been asking for your manager of the year suggestions tonight. James, what you got for us? Uh, good evening panel I was just wondering why all the Rangers supporters are coming on and putting forward suggestions for every manager except Neil Lennon and then not one of them will ask for Stephen Gerrard to be nominated why is that? Maybe because they don't think he's the manager of the year? <laughs> I was just wondering myself you think, well they put up enough fight to say that they, they should have Kept the league going because Rangers could have caught Celtic. So if Rangers could have caught Celtic, that was surely them saying that Stephen Gerrard was a good manager. 
Well, perhaps Alex um, Would well, Steven Gerrard Be in that That reckoning I can't imagine so And that's not You know no. that, That's just a fact In Glasgow You don't win anything Then that's I'd, He's not in the, the reckoning For the manager of the year I think there's been People on the lines We've even had Celtic uh, Supporters I think it was on Twitter Says uh, the, the job That Stephen Robinson Had done um, But Listen I think If you look at Neil Lennon's uh, Record uh, This season Then he was Obviously the front runner we're on the show trying to promote other guys with different resources, uh, guys who have won things in another division. So there's fit many factors to this, but you'd have to say Neil was very much up there as a front runner. Yeah, Hugh. I mean, for what it's worth, then let's let's assess Stephen Gerrard's managerial record this season. Yeah, as I say, if you're Neil Lennon or Stephen Gerrard, that you are in a different postcode when it comes to pressure. However. You have to respond to that. Steven Gerrard got to a cup final against Celtic, but did not win it. You can't go on about the goal was offside. Rangers also had a penalty, which they missed, and they missed several chances, and Fraser Force had a great game. It was a cup final. That's what happens. Only one winner, it was Celtic. Rangers failed to get to the semi-finals of the other cup competition, and were 13 points behind Celtic in the league at the point at which the league was called early. You can't be manager of the year on that basis. Are we now back to that discussion, Alex, because of all, in all the madness that's been happening and all the debate about the season being called? And yes, of course, we, we know how arithmetic works. Rangers could have caught Celtic. I think most people agree that that was a, a really tall order. Is, is it now quite simple? Or it's back to that, that basic point that, that Stephen Gerrard needs to win silverware next season. Yeah. I mean, we were saying it this season. So you, yeah. you imagine that intensifies... There's no two ways about it, Gordon, because uh, being at the club, they demand that. Uh, you know, up until Christmas, you looked as if there was a real challenge on, and it just fizzled out. You know, going back to Hugh's point in terms of the cup final, you know, the performance was really encouraging. However, it's about winning silverware. And unless he does that this year, then going forward, mm. I would suggest that it's kind of trying times. James, as a Celtic fan, I take it Neil Lennon is the standout for you. What What's impressed you the most about him, James, this season, about the way he's gone about his business? Just the way he goes about his business, he doesn't go out and shout his mouth off and he's calmed down a lot in recent years. I'd just like to say I'm glad that Alec, uh, Alex remembers the helicopter Sunday 15 years ago because it'll probably be another 15 years ago until he sees it again. It might well be, but listen, he's been dining out off those stories for a long time, so I think you've got a few more years left in you, don't you? I'll get plenty. <laughs> um, but on, on a... On a semi-serious note, th- that is the the it's challenge. Huddle, That's the challenge to Rangers to now try, and however long it takes, it, they'll be hoping it sooner rather than later. Celtic, are obviously, yes. the dominant side at the moment. What can Rangers do about it this summer? Gordon, I said in uh, Monday show that you know you have to factor in all the kind of luxuries that Celtic have. You know they have a uh, the highest uh, budget in the division. They outspend everyone, and they have a nucleus of players within that team. So. It's going to be extremely difficult for teams to overturn that. Now, Rangers are obviously the closest challengers uh, going forward. I think they're the only challengers because of the disparity in money. And for Rangers have to recruit players that are going to be able to compete over the course. I'm not exactly sure how many that is, and depending on the circumstances over the summer and finances and, and everything else. But they have to find a way of digging out results. And it's been the smaller teams... That'll be in the Achilles heels. You know, you look at Hamilton at Ibrox, you look at Kamarnock, you look at uh, other teams, uh, who Hearts, who are bottom of the, the table as well, and they're taking points. They have to find a way to overcome in the end to keep the 
pressure and the sustained challenge longer. Hugh James thinks it was Neil Lennon. You tend to agree with him. How much of it goes back to what um, what he said when he joined us on the phone on Monday? Uh, you put the question to him about you know filling the void left by Brendan Rodgers, and Neil Lennon said that it was one of the it was one of the toughest challenges he's ever faced. And you know he said that, yeah. that Brendan's record was flawless. I think that was his. his is, is that part of your thinking? You know, having to to step up to that plate. I'm trying very hard, Gordon, to keep this season in isolation. Now, when this season started, Neil had done the hard part for me. He had succeeded uh, uh, Brendan Rodgers. He had got uh, eight in a row over the line. He had got the Scottish Cup over the line and uh, therefore gave Celtic the treble treble. When you take this season in isolation, he had to get nine because all Celtic supporters, men, women and children have this dream of 10 in a row. You don't get 10, as Neil said, without 9. Therefore, he started the season with that pressure on his shoulders and then he showed sound management when things looked as if they were wobbling a bit and his signings were first class and he made Edward better and he brought Griffith back and for all of those reasons combined, I know he has the biggest budget but you still have to overcome hurdles along the way and he did. Got, I was just listening in terms of a wobble. I didn't actually see Celtic having any wobble over the course of the season. I seen a, I seen them lose a game at Parkhead, and there was a kind of big reaction by everyone towards that. But in the main, if you look back at the results prior to Christmas, I wouldn't suggest it was a wobble. How, how do you start, Hugh, to get your head around looking forward to next season? Let, let's let's try because I know there's so much uncertainty. But Neil Lennon talking to us on Monday about. He's encouraged, he feels like Odson Edward is happy He didn't go home to France um, during lockdown That would be one Celtic would obviously be desperate to keep If they weren't to keep him, you'd imagine it would be for big money Can he keep the, the nucleus of title winners together? What does he add to that? And what do Rangers do in response? These are the normal conversations we, we would be having But of course, they're all set against a very uncertain backdrop Yeah, uh, I, I do believe that with the cooperation of Dermot Desmond, uh, Neil Lennon will ask Peter Lawwell if it's possible to keep Odson Edward to do everything in their power to bring Fraser Forster back and El Yanusi from Southampton. And if they go again with that squad and the like of Callum McGregor saying this week that he wants to hang around to see if he can get 10 with Celtic, uh, I think they have to start as big favourites to get the 10 uh, and who knows what our game will look like But whatever it looks like Celtic will start Favourites to get the 10 Yeah I wouldn't want people to think We're skimming over that Alex Because we do not know What the financial landscape Will look like for everyone and, and how all the markets will react I mean for instance this week You're hearing Yanis Hadji perhaps to Rangers And you think oh, you know, can Money at this time yeah. but, but that's the difficulty Facing football clubs They're going to have to be mindful of the challenges yeah. But also plan for the future anyway Yeah and, and I've seen that in Hadji I was kind of trying to put some stuff out there In uh, social media Some people were questioning Where Rangers were getting that money You know they've just signed a lucrative uh, Merchandise deal You know they had the, the Europa League money uh, So and you don't know how that's been structured Now that's this is all hypothetical Because we don't know whether uh, Hadji is going to sign or not It's speculation in the papers I think it looks likely Yeah at the no, moment. And, and I texted you the other day my, my, my belief was that they were actually Going to get the deal done So but what I'm saying is you don't know how it's actually been structured over the, a period of time. I know one thing, I will not all be up front. And I think one of the key things as well is, Gordon, 
what are players going to be valued at? So before this uh, uh, virus kicked in, there'll be a certain value on particularly the high-end players. Are they going to still command that same uh, fee after this uh, you know, pandemic p- passes through? Very difficult future, a uh, difficult couple of weeks I should say ahead in the future Thank you to James and Pollock, that will probably do us for tonight I think I don't want to just rush um, another caller So what we'll do is we'll leave it there And we'll revisit tonight's teaser This week Rangers announced Andy Halliday will leave at the end of his contract He was the last player to score in a cup final for Rangers Can you name the last 10 to do so before him? Kenny Miller, Nikita Jelovic, Stephen Davis, Nacho Novo, Chris Boyd Soterios Kriakos Fernando Rickson And Morris Ross Now that means you've got eight With only two remaining um, Kevin Thompson? No I'm thinking about 2008 Gordon um, None of them are Scottish Dashville? Nope oh. Right I'll put a bit more meat in the bones To try and steer you in the right direction I said the 2008 Scottish Cup final That was the one against Queen of the South um, Chris Boyd also scored in that game But you've got him Who else scored for Rangers? It's a tricky one I must say He is from This will help you The US of A uh, Mo No Bedoya No You're nearly there Go through all the other Americans That have played 2008 I'm trying to think um... Bocanegra No Oh shoot I thought you had him here um, um, Demarcus Beasley Yes Demarcus Beasley Well done Okay that means We're waiting on One more Any ideas Hugh Keevans He is not a striker He is a defender And this was in 2003 Yep 2003 Scottish Cup final Against Dundee I think that was the winner Was it a 1-0 uh, I'm not I can't, Yeah I think it was Scottish No Hmm Right, get ready for the nationality Because you'll jump on it as soon as I tell you He's Italian Amoruso Hugh Keevans, you've got a delay in the man cave That's the only reason Alex beat you to the answer there (laughs) You better believe it (laughs) Lorenzo Amoruso Hugh Keevans, thank you very much for joining us You take care, have a good weekend Uh, The same to you Uh, Alex Ray, thank you to you as well Have a good weekend Uh, Thanks to everyone who listened and called and tweeted uh, Not only tonight but all season as well It's not goodbye from the show The show is going to carry on It will be here 6 o'clock every night Keeping you uh, across everything that's happening In the wonderful world of Scottish football It is goodbye for me though Just for the meantime I'll go into cold storage for a little while And I'll see you all ahead of the new season But like I say, the show's not going anywhere Back here 6 o'clock on Monday Make sure you tune in And it's GBX Friday up next Live streamed on George's Facebook page as well Scoreboard with Thompson's personal injury solicitors, experienced players who know how to win. Talk to Thompson's.com.